Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic University podcast as we have come to the conclusion of The Mandalorian Season 2, Chapter 16, The Rescue. I'm one of your co-hosts, Anthony Canton III, and along with me today, as of course, and as of always, the super producer, Jake Christie. Jake, how are you, sir? Mando! Just gotta get one in. (laughs) Very apropos. (laughs) I know, yeah. Very apropos. And we also have Jerome Chang, a.k.a. Black Dragon Roll, in the building. What's up, Jerome? I would like to hear that damn black dragon roll if that, if you could do that. Instead. Oh yes, that's <laughs> right. That that damn black dragon roll strikes again. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, thanks, AC. Uh, I'm great. Happy holidays, guys. Oh oh yeah yeah we're we're almost there and um we got well I don't know if it's necessarily a happy a happy Mando at the end. There's a lot of there's a lot well, of you there know there is one uh, there is a bit of the irony. Eyes. There's a bit of an irony, which is one of my favorite pieces of trivia is that. Did you know that Boba Fett was introduced in the Star Wars Holiday Special before he was ever introduced in a movie? Oh, I didn't know that. So, happy holidays to Boba Fett. Happy um, holidays, the book of Boba Fett. Yes. Yes. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll definitely get to that a little bit later. But, uh, yeah, this episode was directed by Peyton Reed. And, guys, um, normally I take a lot of notes and kind of go through the plot of this episode. But I feel like we should do something a little different because this episode was... It just felt different to me. There was mm-hmm. a, there's just an emotional pull. There was lots of tension, just lots of great scenes. I, I think, I think we got to, to a point out. in the season yeah. where everything, like, there wasn't a lot of exposition or plot to really cover. It's all like, you know, everything comes to a head, and that's happened over the last couple of episodes. So, like, there's not really like a point to go through the details of like, you know. Like, this happened and this happened. Like, everything happened in this episode. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think, I mean, I have to get this out of the way myself. Um, give flowers to Giancarlo Esposito. What a performance. Masterclass. That was tremendous. Um, throughout, and just what he was able to provide as as the, as a true villain in this episode was just perfect. And we'll, we'll talk a little, a little bit more about him later, but... Uh, Jerome, I'll start with you. There was so much that happened in this episode and the way that it ended and the way that it kind of set up season three. Um, What were your takeaways in terms of how not only this episode made you feel about the series, but just in general with what we saw in terms of character development uh, with Mando and uh, Grogu at the end? Um... I, I mean, the takeaway was I didn't think that Luke Skywalker could show up. Is basically my takeaway. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> that was I like everything else that built up to it for sure. Um, really good moments. Uh, but I'll be perfectly honest. Like once it gets to, you know, um, once it gets to an like just the lone X-wing arriving, and you're like. Wait, who 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 flies the X-wing on their own? Like clearly, we're we're looking for a Jedi here, but like, Green like what year saber. is this? What's going on? When is this all happening? Like suddenly, like all those answers being made in that moment instantaneously. That the first time you watch it, you're just trying to process, and like you're finally grounded into like, oh, this is where we are in the Star Wars saga. Like this is where we are. Nine in- ABY baby, right? And so, <laughs> I mean, um. And which is crazy because all the stuff that leads up to it are really cool, like heist-like moments 
And I, I mean, sure, we're going to touch all of it. But like my takeaway is Luke fucking Skywalker. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. That's my takeaway. I know. Mark Hamill's Luke Skywalker has returned uh, to pick up Grogu. He was the one who got the call from Grogu while he was mm-hmm. at the Seeing Stone. Jake, in terms of this episode, just, you know, the tension, as I discussed earlier, the the action scenes were just crisp and cool and wonderful. What what stood out to you the most? So first and foremost, I'd say, unfortunately, I had the Luke reveal spoiled because of Twitter before I watched the episode. So that really sucked. It, it really, really sucked. And just hearing people's joy of like wait, having wait, like wait, that wait. is... It wasn't me though. No, right? it wasn't you. It okay, wasn't good. You. <laughs> no, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know, I don't know that Skywalker trended at like five, at like three p.m. on Friday. Ah, okay. Really love to see that. Uh, and I didn't end up watching it until Saturday because I figured like once I knew that, I was like fuck it. Um, yeah. I also was you know to be frank, getting drunk playing Among Us on Friday night. Don't judge. Um, but <laughs> uh, I I think that the thing that stood out to me the most, other than the Luke thing, is how beautiful the payoff for the, the 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 parting of the ways between Grogu and Din was when he takes off the mask and uh, Grogu touches his face. I was like definitely like straight crying. Like I was in a room myself, like not like bawling, but definitely tears were coming down my face. Oh yeah. no, it's an yeah, emotional yeah. moment for about, sure. And you think about what a show, and this is I think what you think about fantasy, why fantasy is, in my opinion, fantasy, sci-fi, all this stuff is so rewarding, is because I think that when you have like a small family drama, things are relatable enough where like you can understand why certain like why a mother and son being reunited is sad, because you can understand that. But like, why is it emotional for what is you know is a green puppet to touch the face of a guy who took off his helmet like the fact that they've done the groundwork to establish just him taking his helmet off at all is the biggest gesture he can do and then that like that that that's the last thing he wants to do from that grows more important to him than the way the fact that they can lay that groundwork so that when you're watching it even if if you just were to watch it out of context you'd be like okay that's pretty sad he's leaving his pet or whatever but when you have the context of that the show builds up and it makes you like not that I'm hard to cry, but like it makes me cry to watch. Like that right. really is a triumph of how they've been able to really p- get this storyline, just really make you feel for these characters. And I think that especially in this last season, especially the scene that AC and I were talking about a few episodes ago, where you know Din is saying like, uh, you know, well when they come that when the Jedi want you to go, you have to leave me. You can't stay. And it's like I and I right. said that he's saying that more for himself than he is for Grogu. And I think that that really paid off there, really in in a for beautiful sure. way. I think also, since you mentioned that scene specifically, uh, it made me appreciate the penultimate episode a lot more because I I just like I, I felt I, I didn't get to talk about it last week because I came in later for the Marvel uh, part. But I did feel there was a bit of a filler element for me in that episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then watching the scene, especially when he takes off his mask. Uh, it just made the scenes with Bill Burr's character resonate more in terms of just, you know, like what makes you sleep at night and like re- like really just caring about what matters and not about these like stringent rules uh, of the Mandalorian or anything that they grow up with. Like those are just rules. And I feel, you know, that was almost like the start point, you know, when he takes off his mask to do whatever it's possible to get scanned and get the coordinates to track Grogu down and then just without hesitation, you know. Like, in front of everyone, and just the build-up throughout the season. Because even, you know, when he meets um, 
the other Mandalorians and they're taking their masks off and it's nothing. And just you see his whole worldview changing and seeing it happens. And I feel like AC, you can speak to this most, like how much your life changes when you have a child in a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, like personally, like the, like Jake said, the build up, like they have built this up over two seasons now. And I just think of, the level of storytelling, the depth to, to amazingly enough, a character like Grogu who doesn't say anything, and the depth of Mando who we barely see his face. And the fact that they have built this emotional uh, pull between the characters makes that final scene just that much more compelling and that much more emotional. Um, and for me, it just like, it, it when Luke shows up, it just took me back to when I watched Star Wars for the first time as a kid. And I think... That not only fan service, but just the the remnants, the memories of of what that was like, is what Favreau and Filoni are going for. And again, they they paid it off to a T. I I was so I was very surprised, and not just the whole Luke thing, but just the way it was done. It was just well done. And Jerome, if you uh, if you get a chance, um. Guys on Twitter, uh, Black Dragon Roll, he made a, an amazing edit, um, kind of showing the symmetry between Luke going at the Dark Troopers and Darth Vader in the end of Rogue One. Those two scenes, so iconic. And it it just like, they it, the fact that they made a scene just like that, almost similar to what Darth Vader did, one of the best Star Wars scenes of all time. It was so it was just so cool. It was just it was really really cool, and it, so much credit has to be given to the writers of that show and how they have um, just crafted an excellent story. No doubt, uh, no doubt whatsoever. Um, a couple of other things that I wanted to get into the again with Moff Gideon, the whole dark saber thing. Now that. Uh, Mando has the Darksaber, and Bo-Katan has been after this thing for a while, and the fact that Moth just passed it on to, 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 to Din, and now the, the storyline that I'm going to assume is going to be season three is an eventual, I'm sure, face-off between mm-hmm. Mando and Bo-Katan, which should be really interesting because I feel like initially uh, Mando's not going to really... He's trying to give this up. He, yeah. he just cares about Grogu. That's it. That's all he cares about. But you have to earn, you have to earn this in battle. So there's a very interesting war for Mandalore, war for the throne thing going on that um, should be very intriguing for season three. Jake, uh, what do you think about the development of this new storyline? I think it's a really smart move to bring it into the ending of season two, where obviously the focus is all about Luke and all about Grogu, but they clearly introduce what it's going to be about next. And I think that it's a very, um, obviously one of the most tried and true, but I don't mean it in a bad way, fantasy tropes is the person who wants to lead the least is the person who's qualified to lead the most. And you can just kind of tell that they're setting up Mando to be the person who ends up bringing back Mandalore, or at least tries. Um, And I think the thing that's really fascinating about Bo-Katan and Mando is that uh, Din, I keep calling him Mando, but there's just talking about two Mandalorians, I should use his <laughs> name. Uh, Din is super orthodox in his like beliefs, and he believes a very like strong 
whatever but he's also a foundling and isn't of mandalore has ne- doesn't has no real knowledge of mandalore yeah. is not familiar with any of that stuff whereas uh bokatan is not a super strong adherent to these to the way but she is royalty of mandalore and she, she has really strong ties and so i think that that's a, that's an interesting dichotomy they're gonna have and you can just tell that it's gonna have a lot of stuff where mando is not interested in this fight at all but bo katan clearly is and i don't know if it's going to end with them being full-on enemies at the end of it i imagine probably a little bit of both but i think that that tension is really really interesting because it is it's not as simple as oh now she's the big bad for the next season because i don't think that she's good i don't think the girls can make her all bad you know um also especially because she's a beloved star wars character in the cartoons and stuff so that'd be kind of shitty but uh, yeah i'm just fascinated <laughs> to see how that plays out um because yeah i'm I was, i'm always interested when there was a a hero who's on a quest that he very clearly doesn't care about and uh din clearly does not really care that much about rejecting mandalore <laughs> um and but clearly he's going to be thrust to do it yeah and there's a difference of philosophies there for sure we go back all the way to episode three when they first meet and the whole mass thing and uh din's side is religious zealots and all that stuff i'm sure that's going to come back into play uh going to season three jerome how about you how you feeling about this new storyline and where they're taking the show uh first i just want to throw in a quote uh for jake i don't step up to being leader troy i reluctantly accept it when it's thrust upon me mm-hmm. jeff winger um <laughs> yeah no i okay well i think the first thing i it reminded me a little bit of revenge of the sith but i love defeated Giancarlo Esposito Moff Gideon just being all hammy villain just like grinning like a real asshole and like giggling through like <laughs> like just the the hammiest villain so like just I just tremendous. love like that like mini development that comes out of that where it's like clearly defeated but ah, I got one but over you, know- you guys he he knows what's gonna happen in season three. He might as well just say like, exactly, oh, yeah, this yeah. Is gonna be a, you're happy now, but this is gonna be a problem in season three. Yeah, like he's the one who read all the novels on the side, so he knows yeah. where canon's leading this. Like he's just he's like I I've read all the Game of Thrones first, so I know. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I think it's gonna be a really cool development. I think also it's very important because when we are introduced to Din in this show. His whole purpose and his whole meaning is centered around Grogu. And now that Grogu obviously is going to step away on his own um, to hopefully become a Jedi, uh, like it, it, it does leave Din kind of a little helpless, like on his own. Like he, he is in this place where he's been there to serve Mandalore and he's been there to serve Grogu, but now he's out on his own. And this is a moment of self discovery. Like, the, Clearly, he does not want the thing, and I thought it was really hilarious just to see him go, like, just just take it. I don't, like, just <laughs> take it. I don't care. Like, uh, like I, I just love the, it, it feels so not Star Wars of just, like, him shrugging and be like, I concede. Like, just, like, it's, it just seems so anti, like, the grandeur that is Star Wars, but I love it. Um, So there is that moment of, yeah, I... Like, nobody is questioning the greatness that is Din and what he would be capable of. But it's clear also what's important to him, um, and it's none of that. So it is exciting to see, like, where that goes and how, like, I, I wouldn't even be mad if 
it ends up with him not being a leader because of like where his focus and uh, path is that way. But you know, the hero story as it is, uh, it seems like we probably would lead that way. But I, I really do have a lot of faith in the writers to take us on whatever journey is necessary. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you a hundred percent on that. They don't necessarily need to make him win that battle. And I'm sure they'll find a way to kind of, to get through that aspect. But I just think the, the way that it goes, it's a, it's a fresh new direction for the show. And not to say that the, this, this show has been tremendous throughout the first two seasons, but I do think it's cool that we get resolution to this storyline initially. And now we can kind of see, uh, hopefully Mando, uh, with this whole, not only Mandalore thing, but potentially getting back to some type of bounty hunting. If so, if he chooses, so, and um, I'm always down for some side missions that he normally does. So we're going to get some new stuff in. And that should be interesting to see for sure. Um, one of the other things that I was thinking of, and it was it was the, a, lot of, a lot of showcase for the women in this episode. Mando was kind of doing the whole, I'm going against the dark troopers on my own. I'm doing my own thing. But it was cool to see Bo-Katan, uh, Fennec, and Cara Dune do what they were doing against all them stormtroopers who are just cannon fodder to just getting their asses kicked all the time. Uh, what was there anything that you guys particularly enjoyed from from those scenes as we got the dueling action things and uh, Boba Fett just got out of there, which was which I thought was kind of funny that he was gone uh, throughout. What did you What did you think, Jerome? Um, it it was super fun and like I think that's it's. I mean, I I know I jumped the gun and got straight to the end, but. It was such an enjoyable episode Mm -hmm. leading up to just like all the pieces together and just the different ways they went about it. Nothing seemed too fantastical that like it was out of reach, Um, even just the way they get rid of the uh, dart troopers. Is that I forget that I'm just blanking. But yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 exactly. um, But yeah, just to see that team um, really just kick ass was so very cool. And. Uh, just going through it, um, you can see, like, this would work really well if it was just, like, episodes dedicated to them or just, like, offshoots entirely. Uh, I think I'm in love with Fennec. Uh, I think that's a pretty safe thing to say at this point. Um, yeah, it was just, like, a real fun time and, uh, just completely overshot by the ending, but, like, I really enjoyed it. Uh. Yeah, it's good. It's fun. Good yeah, fun. Absolutely. Well, Jesus. The actress plays Fennec is 57 years old. Whew. I mean. Is what we do, baby. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I was waiting for you to say it. <laughs> uh, don't worry. I, 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 took, I took the log for you, buddy. I got you. <laughs> but anyway. Uh, yeah, I think that that stuff's all really good. And I think that it's honestly, it's funny that Jerome calls it a heist. Because, like, I think that it a lot of Peyton Reed's Ant-Man chops were on display. Yeah, and I do also yeah good show. that. I remember when Peyton Reed got announced as the director of Ant-Man after Edgar Wright left the project. And I'm just going to be honest. I think that Edgar Wright is the director that I know a lot of people, especially on this podcast, love that I just don't get. I don't I don't I like his comedies. I don't get the acting stuff anyway. So I, in hindsight, don't actually care that much. But I remember people like, oh, my God, they're making the guy who did Yes Man do Ant-Man. How is this going to work? And Peyton Reed's just like, I'm going to now direct three Ant-Mans, direct two great action episodes, including the most probably the most beloved episode of a beloved Star Wars show. And then uh, I, it, I just I just want to say, and if you if I go back in time and say that Peyton Reed was going to do all those things and become like a like celebrated and super creative 
director of action because it's not like he's just doing by the numbers action directing he has his clear a clear style where and he his stuff super kinetic and fast paced super enjoyable mm-hmm. to watch and i think that that really helps I, I, I talked about it a lot but i really think that a show like this would not work if they just got the standard run-of-the-mill tv directors who like are nothing but tv directors not that you can't mm-hmm. be a good director if you only direct television but like clearly they have people with style and clearly they have people who know what they're doing because it's it's and it just shows on every moment because in an episode like this where there obviously is dialogue it's important so much of what's good about it is just the action and if you don't have someone who has a a, something to say with their visual style then you're just watching you know the action scene in like a crappy uh abc action drama you know like you actually have to have someone who knows what they're doing and i think that all the stuff especially with the the, the four women boston heads just i mean it's also like the bit in the elevator where cara dune has to like unjam her gun like yeah. shit like that it's like that's that what cool. that's, that's what makes this yeah. cool because you have yeah. little character moments that it it's, does nothing it's it, there's no purpose except that it gives you a light on these characters and like give me an expendables with them i would say yeah yeah, absolutely. Oh, Joe, I love the, the frozen version of Jake on the screen right now. There was a had, frozen a version freeze. of you on my screen freeze. He, for, yeah. like a quick, for like a quick second. Well, is that coming um, back and grabbing the uh, Corona seltzer? No, nah, yeah, your hands honestly, up like this. I know some, can't see There's a lot of Han in that one, I'll be honest. Like, there was a lot of Han in that <laughs> moment there, so. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> um, so. So I did. I did want to get to. So one of the things that I saw, they're pretty much for the majority. Everybody was pretty excited and very positive about the episode. It was like, oh man, this is great fan service. Luke Skywalker, the whole nine yards. Um, there were a few people who who contested and and were like, man, can we see something new? Why they have to bring Luke back and all this other stuff and. CGI and de-aging and all these things. Oh, before I get to you guys, I, I do want very to, creepy. Yeah. Very that creepy. That was kind of weird. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it did credit to how good that scene was that I was not like I, you know, objectively I was bothered by it. I still am bothered by it. Even if you look for those of you who are kind enough to watch my cut, I purposely did not include any <laughs> like close-up creepy CGI Luke because I prefer to remember it without that. But um, once that like. In the grand scheme of things, like, I was trying to figure out what has constituted in our general fandom as, like, pretty good de-aging CGI. I think minimal is key that I'm mm-hmm. with. Uh, I think that, and, like, branching out, Fast and Furious, Paul Walker, obviously the necessity of it, that they needed to have it. I thought that was done pretty tastefully. Uh, um, have you ever seen Gemini Man? No, I've, I've heard it's terrible. Listen, the Will Smith... The young Will Smith, that that shit don't look right I'm at all. I, I was kind of creeped out if I you asked me. I think it was Sean Fennessy of The Ringer. I think it was him. Or at least he say, repeated this quote that said about Gemini Man. I haven't seen it. But the problem – actually, it might not have been him. I think he just quoted it. But the problem with it is it, he doesn't look like a young Will Smith. He looks like a 25-year-old who is tired of people telling him he kind of looks like Will Smith. <laughs> nice. Okay, I hear that. <laughs> and, yeah. Good way to put it. <laughs> well, I, I think, honestly, I think the, best, the best de-aging is um, – Probably, I, I was know, gonna say like ironically, yeah. some of the best de aging in comics that I I remember, and I'll have to look back. X Men: The Last Stand. 
That, that first yeah. image Gray was it's actually not bad. Not bad. It's not bad. Now, Especially if you consider yeah. side of it, it's Brett Radner. Um, but yeah. They didn't have to do a lot with Coulson and uh and Nick Fury and Captain yeah. Marvel. They did a little right. bit, but they didn't have to yeah. do a I lot. That, so I, I think, think that also, that was that's pretty well. I also think Sam Jackson just is like a like Sam Jackson started acting in big movies when he was like forty five, so like he's or, just he just doesn't age. Very uh, simply, just cast Ming Na because yeah, yeah, if, well, yeah exactly. be out here. Um, uh, but I think I think in actuality, I think that the best aging is usually things like I think the beginning of Ant Man's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the the what I think the problem with this is I actually don't think they de-aged if I was if I've read the stuff correctly. I think they just had another actor on set and they CGI'd it fully. Yeah, and I think that uh, I, they, they did the full watch treatment. I yeah. think that was the right choice though because it was. Because the problem with the aging, if you find in the Irishman, is that, and this is, I hate to say, I'm going to be frank, this is the fortunate thing with Mark Hamill, that, mm-hmm. like, Mark Hamill is just kind of a heavy guy now. And he just, yeah. if it, his frame, his stature, even if you were to, like, edit his face out, his the size of his head is just different than it was back then. Yeah. And that's so yeah. much of what makes, I think, so much de-aging, like, the Irishman is so uncanny. It's like, Robert De Niro was never, like, a thin guy, but... It, your face gets fatter as you get older. And so you could just, you just look like a weird plastic face on an old man's head. And so I'm glad that they didn't do that. But I think that it really is like, I think that that's where you see, like we talk all the time about how great it is. The Mandalorian has this big of a budget for a TV show, but this is like, Oh wait, but it's still just the budget of a TV show. (laughs) Like, right. right, Yeah. At the end of the day, like fast and fury spent like $5 million alone on Paul Walker. Uh, And and also had his brother who kind of looked enough. Like, so, you know, just all the stuff. So they didn't have to, they they only need to edit like the the middle of his face. They need to edit like the rounder because his head is basically the same. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, Speaking and also like I feel like part of part of also the criticism was not just the CGI. Oh, sorry, but... one more that's pretty good. Yeah. The Michael Jordan Gatorade commercial. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Anyway, back that's back to back good, to good 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 call on that. Um, yeah, I thought some of the other criticism, it kind of surprised me personally. Well, um, as far as the whole like, oh, we don't really need Luke anymore. Why are they doing this old stuff? That this is a this is the Mandalorian. It's its own thing. Why we have to go back to this? Um, my thought on it was, if you really think about it, one of the things that when I saw Luke show up in the Force Awakens at the very end, I was thinking, man, what was what he been up to this whole time? That was really one of the questions I had. So like, and I think most Star Wars fans felt that way. So to kind of see um, prime Luke Skywalker, prime Jedi Luke Skywalker back was yeah. pretty cool. And the fact that yeah. he's still doing this, obviously and there's, a, there's a Kylo Ren thing to happen. Sure. We, we know he made a Jedi Academy. So like, no shit, he's going to try to find the most powerful exactly. Jedi. And I think yeah. a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people I think were expecting um, one of like... Soka. So no, not so like, or, the, or um, Ezra from Ezra. Rebels. Yeah, Ezra, oh, another right. character yeah. from Rebels or whatever. And I think, I mean this in the most respectful way possible. Like there was no way the big reveal was going to be a character from one of the cartoons. Like that, they, the 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 show just has too many. A majority of people watching the Mandalorian haven't watched them, and I think that. I personally wouldn't be disappointed because I know how important those shows are to other people. But, like, if they were going to do a big reveal of a Jedi, it either was going to be a whole new character or it was going to be someone from the movies. They weren't going to, like, do a yeah. big build-up and then have it be Ezra. Because, well, to have be frank, to I would be like, Yeah, you would have to adver- advertise it, honestly, the same way that they advertise Ahsoka exactly. and the casing. So exactly. um, I think my one pushback, and that really depends on how far they take it going forward, mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. – 
it's a cameo. It's not about Luke. Luke shows yeah. up, and but this is still a show about Grogu and still a show about the Mandalorian. And so, you know, to me, uh, it's the exact same as Rogue One. To mm-hmm. me, like, yeah, agreed. you know, like it's it's not about Vader, but they give you some good ass Vader. And if like you're gonna get mad when they give you that scene, like, come on, like now you're just it's a great scene. Like, like you enjoy yourself. Like I could see right. I could yeah. see. If he just showed up and just came up to pick up Grogu and that was it and it was nothing happened, but he yeah, showed yeah. up and delivered I, one of the bets. I I, 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 I want to talk about that when we get to that. Well, I think we're but the, the problem is I think that a lot of people are likening it to you ever seen like 70 sitcoms and this is why I think that in my opinion TV there's no good TV before like 1995 at me um mm-hmm. but that like even like the best sitcoms like all in the family would have an episode where it's like oh no this super famous movie star broke their car broke down inside the house and they just show up right. like that's so stupid and like that's not what this was one because I think that this is the same universe and we know that this is the most powerful that that uh, Grogu is the most powerful force being basically since Anakin Skywalker, and so like it makes sense. And also like it isn't that the it's not like the the, the purpose of it is not contrived. Luke right. Skywalker's X-wing did not it happen. Fits in with the plot very neatly. And I also think that they're not going to overplay their hand. They're not going. No. He's not going to come back if for no other reason than it's expensive to do the face stuff. But like yeah. he's just. And I think he probably will make an appearance if I have to take a guess is uh, in something in one of the it's maybe once or twice in another one of the series that come up but i think that i think a lot of people are understandably afraid of just everything tying back because of how bad it was in the rise of skywalker mm-hmm. that's what, what i, I think feel yes thing to keep in mind is that like this is a different brain trust that this is feloni and favreau and like i just and it's burned me in the past with tv and real life but like if someone hasn't let you down don't expect them to let you down in the future like just yeah you know yeah yeah. Have faith. Well, like, and that's the thing too, right? Like, I think a lot of what gets upsetting is, you know, we don't have to dive all the way back because we hit it every now and then. But like, mm-hmm. Last Jedi used it effectively, where they took these characters and kind of undid them. You know, that they brought them back for the reason of giving them closure for who they were, especially Luke Skywalker. They, it's just how they treated them afterward and trying to undo that again and rise of Skywalker and then make everything about the Skywalkers. Like, that's not what we were doing here. That's not what mm-hmm. happened here. So, um, I, to Jake's point, exactly. I get the fear around it, but have some faith. Absolutely. 100%. I couldn't agree with you on more. That's how I felt when I saw it. I was like, this fits in pretty neatly with the plot. And, you know, like I said, I, I was always curious of of what Luke was doing after the fact. So it's nice to kind of see like a little bit of that symmetry uh, come along with the story. Um, we got to get to Boba Fett. Boba Fett's uh, obviously the book of Boba Fett, which we heard earlier this week that that will be coming out before the Mandalorian. No Mando in 2021, early 2022. We will be getting the book of Boba Fett in December of 2021. Are how excited are you guys? Are you, are y'all gonna dive in? Are y'all interested? Uh, uh, Jake, I, let's start with you. I I honestly I'm terrible with knowing hip hop and rap songs. Who was it who sang the words "I'm about to dive in"? Um, because I'm gonna do that. Um, with uh with Boba Fett. Wait, who's, who, who's, who's that? I'm that? about to dive in. What, am I not? Am I making that up? Am I old? Am I? Am I? Am I, <laughs> no, am I, I just I'm old? Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, that could be it. I didn't make that up. Some no, people know. We, I believe that exists. Um, I mean, it's I just not. Don't know what, 
But I just remember that it was just, honestly, I think this is an example of me being younger than you guys because when you're in high school, you have to hear all the mainstream crappy <laughs> hip hop. And so, like, right. I yeah, yeah. Don't listen to Trey songs, mm. but like, I, I, oh, I okay, Trey songs. Yeah, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. no, I'm not no, But anyway, he said, yes. I'm about to dive in. But like, if you guys could see the looks that they gave me, you'll understand the sweat that is dripping out. Hip hop, hip hop, real hip hop yes, 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 yes. on this show. But anyway, I'm about to dive in. <laughs> oh, <on all> <laughs> uh, because the, the, the main reason, too, I mean, I'd watch it no matter what because like I have nothing but time, but mm. the main reason is when I saw that it was going to be exactly produced by Robert Rodriguez and like if we can get if we get oh, the fuck that's what that's who's behind it yeah oh, that's yeah. a lock man it's, it's, that's it's, a lock the three the three that EPs, was what drew me Robert, oh. Rodriguez with three EPs which like, <laughs> like just, so, just give me like space desperado we're good exactly and just like the visceral action because I think that that's the thing they need to differentiate it from the Mandalorian is they need to have I think it needs to be really gritty I think that Boba needs to make some decisions that are not so savory, and I think mm-hmm. that he needs to, honestly needs to bust some heads. Um, and <laughs> I'm going to see it. Um, I, I, I just know when he walked into the scene, and like just seeing Jabba's palace completely run down, uh, like really just nothing is no business, nothing is popping. Uh, I was like, this is definitely a strip club in 2020 that isn't in Atlanta. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, but... <laughs> I, I mean, I, yeah, yeah, it's not Atlanta because I saw I saw Dwayne Haskins there last night. But um... there you go. Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, no. I mean, it's gonna be cool. Like, I, I, I would say keep it limited. I think that's the key. Yeah. I, I honestly don't like. I want maybe at most like six chapters, if like just something very quick, like short series. I, yeah. I don't know that we need to like. To me, still, Boba Fett is really fun. I think. Because we have Din and we because we have all these other characters and because like I think let Boba Fett keep some of his mystery. Like let's not we don't need to know everything about him. Like let's just have him do cool stuff for a while. And um yeah, no, the fact I I, I, I was gonna be in regardless. Uh shout out Trey Song's reference. Um, but uh no, but otherwise, like <laughs> no, it's it's you mentioned the Robert Rodriguez part. Like what's that? Yeah, like what's yeah. I heard that? that was a I was huge like, I'm in. I'm very, and, very. And let me just say, I think I'm excited to see too. Is that I don't know if they're gonna show in like flashbacks or whatever, um, because it think it'd be kind of hard. But honestly, with the same thing with because uh, uh, Tamora Morrison just does not have the same physicality that uh, what's his face, uh, the guy who just passed away. What was his name? Uh, Jeremy Bullock had. Um, but I want to know because in other canon, it's established how he gets out of the Sarlacc pit. But I'm excited because I assume they're gonna show it there because the, the thing yeah, that they're doing, yeah. which is good, which I like. Um, is that they're not that they're, they clearly have made the decision they're not going to assume anyone has seen the cartoons, um, right. and so I think that I'm excited to think I think they might have some flashbacks or even explanations of how he got out, um, because obviously you think he dies in that Sarlacc pit, uh, but also big L for the Sarlacc. You think that's an easy dub? That's an easy dub, and apparently I lost. Think. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just uh, generally I'm excited for this. Um, you guys mentioned the physicality, just the physicality of the action scenes that we saw, uh, particularly with Boba Fett, is something that I want to see. And the decision making, yeah, it's another thing because that's another thing I got to get on Mando for in this in this last episode with uh with Moff Gideon, like Moff Gideon was really gonna just let him walk away, like that was the that was the one thing where I was just like, ah, 
Oh, come on, man. The man keeps getting swindled out here in these streets every episode. Oh, always got me doing extra. Always got me that paying for damn stuff. Damn, Gideon strikes that, again. That, <laughs> yeah, man. Like for sure. And um, but yeah, as far as Boba Fett goes, um, yeah, the character's reintroduction into Star Wars canon was really, really great. And this gives it an opportunity to kind of flesh that out and see where it, where it goes. Um, I do agree with Jerome. I don't think this needs to be like really, really long. It doesn't need to be a two, three season thing. If you did. Like a, it's almost like I almost feel like an epilogue type thing, like six, six, seven, six chapters, something like mm-hmm. that. Along those lines, should be really cool, and uh, then we can move on. But, but the only thing, the my only pushback on on that idea is, um, seems like Star Wars is kind of doing the same thing Marvel's doing with like five thousand uh, vehicles coming out. So mm-hmm. that's uh, that remains to be seen. Like they got a In, whole until, lineup until they start flopping. Like they're just gonna yeah. like just expect more and they're, more. They're churning it out. Like mm-hmm. Jesus. Like the the I think it's um it's definitely double digits in the next two to three years mm-hmm. uh at, at the minimum with some of the not only the animated stuff but the movie the the movie that Patty Jenkins is directing uh the Rogue mm-hmm. Squadron movie um the the Cash and Endor movie that which I'm excited for the mm-hmm. Obi Wan series they're bringing Hayden Christensen back mm-hmm. uh, that's for, a flex for the Darth that, Vader role. that's uh yeah, I think honestly I'm a little like. I think I appreciate Shrek as much as anyone, but I feel like Marvel can do shit like that. Whereas, like, I don't know if if Star Wars is on the the Mandalorian had two good seasons and they're like throwing up heat checks like they have hit like ten straight shots. <laughs> yes. Like they're playing yeah, yeah. about that. Yeah. Like, come on, what are you doing, man? Yeah, yeah, they they think they stuff Curry now. So uh, I'm very curious to see what they do because it's it's a lot of content that they're throwing at us. Obviously, the Ahsoka series, okay. Yeah, uh, that's an important character, and at least that one's limited. So you know, the, the general Thrawn stuff. Go back to the episode that we did with the mean. Uh, mean kind of filled you guys in on on what was happening with uh, General Thrawn or Admiral Thrawn, I should say, and uh, Ahsoka and her backstory there. But um, yeah, how, shoot. So uh, so how do we feel? This this uh, series has concluded for season two. Let's get um, to the scene. Let's like, are we actually, are we gonna like properly talk about Luke or what? Like, we we just glossed over it, but are we actually gonna like talk about I mean, what we, happened? We, in can, yeah, we can definitely get into it. Like, yeah, Jerome, like you you set up the you set it up online for us. I feel like you accurately had a had a great feeling for it. Oh man. Okay. Well, like yeah, the the Rogue One comparisons are one thing, but I was watching this and like. One thing that is very clear when it comes to Rogue One and what we saw here, let Jedi Masters do their shit. Like, we just got to show proper Jedi Masters do their shit. We don't get to see that often. Like, Almost not at all. Almost not at all. Like, who was the last, like, true Jedi? I don't know. It's... I don't want to run through prequel stuff, so... I mean, yeah. I think the, the closest you really get to it in, like, the... I mean, there's some stuff in the Phantom sequel Phantom Menace. In the sequel trilogy, there's, like, not full-on Jedi, but I think that there's, like... There's some elements of it in the uh, throne room fight with Kylo Ren yeah. and Rey. But even then, but even then there's too much of a Jedi masters. Exactly. Because the there's like, something that's nice about watching Jedi run through enemies like butter. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. No and that's what I want to talk about here. And do you feel like Ahsoka Luke. was, like, a level below? Like, yeah. a little level below. Like, she's right on the cusp. This is 
like when you watch basketball players and like they're clearly talented and you can see all the flashes there, but they have that moment in their career where everything slows down for them. That's where Luke is here. Like what we saw Luke here like is better than what we saw him post Return of the Jedi. I understand he, he took down like Vader and the Emperor, but he wasn't running shit like this. Like walking through, pulling people over. Like to me, this is exactly what you get when you go to the Rico Hines summer school, summer Jedi Academy, coming back with proper <laughs> skills ready for the fucking season. That's what happened here. And like we need to see this more often. Like this is like it's the kind of thing here where we all kind of knew like Luke was the shit. Everyone talked about it, but we never really got to like see it, see it, especially after, you know, the Emperor and Empire is taken down and like he starts his own, you know, Jedi school and he tries to like raise Jedi's like he tries to take it on uh, himself. You don't really get that in the original trilogy. Like he's picking up. He's oh, talented. Like mm-hmm. like almost not at all, right? And it also like goes to just like how things were back there in, t- in terms of filmmaking. You just couldn't do it that way. Yeah. So, you know, when it came to Vader, I think something happened where, you know, we got the prequels, like everything like you had to bring back Vader and you had to give that Rogue One scene. This was just more like you finally got to see Luke in the way everyone described him and in a way that, you know, Luke has never really been taken down any notches anyway. So to me, like that was what was so awesome about it to me, just the way he controlled everything and how like that is what an actual Jedi master should be. Actually, you know who might be close to that? Uh, Yoda attack of the clones. Like that was like, the kind of thing. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, I was just so hyped about it. And I mean, we were talking about like happy, not so happy endings. Uh, do the does Kroku make it long enough in Star Wars canon to meet the Knights of Ren? Is my question. I mean, yeah, it is a you're not great the question. I know I wouldn't be, but like that's all I could think about in that moment. Like there's it just is, yeah, it, it is a great question. Or is Grogu because... one of the Knights of Ren? <laughs> Like, can we go back and watch, like, the new um, trilogy and just be like, is there one especially short Knights of Ren that it was, like, trying to, like, mess up Kylo Ren at the end there? He's trying to smuggle uh, macaroons onto that planet like Palpatine's on. Like, hack him at the shins. Man, listen, it really does make you wonder about uh, Grogu's future and what tends to happen. Did Kylo kill him? Did Kylo go off on him later? I don't know. Like, it remains to be seen, um... But I'm sure we'll probably see Grogu again at some point. I've been so excited about it. Like, you can tell by the amount of oh, edits yeah. that I was doing after the fact. So thank you, guys. Oh, no, for sure. Uh, that scene was that scene was absolutely fantastic. And I think I think the funny thing about it is, like, you're transfixed at the time with everything that's happening with, you know, not only the whole dark saber thing, but, um, you know, Moff Gideon's out here laughing at folks and, and everybody's looking at the door wondering what's going to happen. And this dude just comes in. And then you realize it's Luke. And that's one thing. So it kind of took me a while to kind of get um, when did you, used when did to you the idea. It together that it was him. Luke? Um, it was so it was the green lightsaber. So the X-Wing kind of made me think like, nah, they not yeah, doing yeah. that. The green lightsaber was like, oh, no, they're really doing that. It's not just and, the green light. Like, it's the black glove. You know, like it's a clear like he only has the one like he came back like MJ in his prime, like Michael Jackson though in his prime, like just a single glove. <laughs> yeah, no, that um, performance was um that was LeBron in Boston in 2012, Game Six. Yeah, that's what yeah. That was. I I I would agree with you, but I actually don't think so. I would actually think that's earlier. 
LeBron in Boston, I think that we see a decent amount of that in the Star Wars movies. This is LeBron putting up 52 on a random night against the Bobcats because mm. these are this is not actually a formidable foe for him. Sure. Yeah, to me, this is like, which is kind of wild because that and that's another thing. I do love the fact that in this episode that they they made a complete stark contrast because Mando's a tough dude and he was yeah. getting his ass whooped by the, the by the dark troopers. He was and taking a beating. If he did not have that best car uh, armor, it would have been a wrap for him. Luke is just out here, just, uh, just yeah. force to force choking him, killing him, and all that stuff. It was so cool. And yeah, to your point, um, rushed. No, uh, to me, like I think his said, his yeah. level, his level of control there. Um, yeah. it remind like this is like Kareem Skyhook. This is. Like, MJ, when he, like, finally had that, like, fadeaway, like, post, like, second three-peat MJ, where it's just, like, he's just going to have the most unstoppable shot in the league and just, like, hit it whenever you want. Like, height, efficiency, mid-range, execution. This is the MJ, like, Utah sequence where he steals the ball from Carl Malone and then goes back up the other way and wins his final championship, like, that mm. is that level the of control. The thing they don't yeah. actually tell you is that Luke actually ate bad pizza the night before. He That's did what happened. Yeah, that is what happened. <laughs> you do oh, not man. want to know what's inside R2-D2 at the moment. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Shout out to the R2, R2 showing up, too. That was cool. That was very cool. And, um, yeah, what can you say about this season? This Mandalorian season was really a great follow-up to season one. Um, I think they... They knew what they were doing in season one, and then once the I think everybody got behind the show, they really pushed it forward in a way that was not only very entertaining but very compelling. And yeah, we we got a season three coming up at um at some point in early twenty twenty two, I would guess. But but yeah, it's gonna be a while. I'm gonna miss the show. It was um it was a great week to week thing uh to put on. Um my son loves dancing to the music. So anytime, like any like it was funny during the episode where they would do a little bit of the score, he would see, he would hear it, he's he got rhythm, shaking man. and shaking his little butt. Yeah, yeah, man. So like I I yeah, I'm definitely gonna miss it. Um uh any final thoughts from you guys as uh we cl- we put the put this episode in the books? Either of you can go. Um, I think that the season's really, really good, and I think that it's definitely a step up from season one. I think season one was, like, really enjoyable to watch, but this became appointment television in the way that season one wasn't. Yes. Um, and I'm going to regret saying this, but I'm going to regret not saying it, because I've thought about it since the character was first introduced, and I don't know if he's going to come back. Just have to say, uh, <laughs> Muff Gideon. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um uh not not to pick up off of muff gideon but sorry uh, about no, that no no that's great never never apologize uh no no ac like it's it was a really fun season i agree it was a step up from the previous one i think it's one of those classic you know you have a hot first season and like coming down with like that really enjoyable second one like it, it reminds me a little bit of like community season one and then community season two just like taking it to another level so it is a big question to see where they take the third season i think that's like a big thing for any series because you you get to like amp everything up and it's really fun um but what do you do once you've kind of like played all your initial cards is really interesting what what happens next um so i again i have faith in them doing so and they've definitely set up a lot of nice things when it comes to like the mandalorians 
and what they're going to do around that. And obviously, we're going to want to know what happens with Grogu. Um, but yeah, it was just a really fun season, a really good balance of pacing and just enough Easter eggs. Like I would say at yeah. any given moment when they did reveals, when they brought uh, characters in, nothing felt ham-fisted, nothing felt rushed. It um, meant something most of the time. Everything meant something, right? And uh, I honestly, I think the only thing that felt a little stunt casting was the Ahsoka insert. Like, I, oh, I think it was yeah, cool. Oh, I, I yeah. Think, that, I think that, that was that cool. Really but, like, well, she really was, like, in to serve her purpose to drive it forward. Like, the Boba Fett stuff obviously, obviously made sense. And, I mean, it seems counterintuitive for me to say that and not say that about the Luke thing. But the Luke thing was, like, one of the coolest Star Wars moments, hands down, mm-hmm. in, like, TV and cinema history yeah. for it. That, like, you just have to accept it. Like, you yeah. can... Well, I you think can... the difference is that the Ahsoka thing is so kind of transparently to set up a new series. Where the Luke thing would right, just be cool right. on merits. Exactly. And, and yeah. just totally unexpected. Like, I don't think anybody could have expected that. Um, for sure. And And, yeah, man... Mandalorian's in the books, and guys, we are less than a month away from WandaVision. Uh, Before we get there, though, first, uh, Jake, we are going to talk about Wonder Woman. I was wondering about that one. Yeah, we're going to. Okay. Yeah, the the team will get back together for that. Um, um, I'm just going to call it an episode of DC Hell You Doing. That's 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 what we're gonna <laughs> that, call it. Okay, we're okay, gonna call okay. it DC that, Hell You Do It. And um, yeah, Wonder Woman is, comes I already out. Know, I already know I'm gonna like it just based yeah, on. Yeah, I'm gonna. I think just okay, I'm gonna, and I, this is not to disparage anyone who I disagree with, but the people who I see who like it are people I almost always agree with, and the people I see who dislike it are people I often disagree with. So I just know <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna yeah. like it. Like, because also a lot of the complaints about it, I'm like. Uh, I know, I understand where you're coming from, but like this guy over here said it's fun and loud, and Pedro Pascal is a ham in it, so I think I'm gonna like it. Yeah, <laughs> well, I'm excited in for this. Film. Yeah, yeah he's oh, a Maxwell great. Lord. Right. I um, yeah, I think uh, put it this way, if DC is going to get anything right, it seems like Wonder Woman is their one thing that they have like actually going for them. So yeah. you hope that they keep that going. Um, and then. Yeah, like honestly, if our first foray into DC is Wonder Woman, that's us being pretty kind to the brand. Yeah. I mean, yeah. because we've been putting off the Suicide Squad thing for like three years, so uh, and we don't need to do it. Let's not do that. I mean, well. I think given the way twenty twenty, no, the last thing you want to do Zach is like Snyder thing. I think we gotta we gotta oh, we jump. Got, I, I, oh, we got Snyder least, cut. I mean, I, yeah, we're not gonna go. We gotta, we gotta jump. Twenty minutes, even if it's just AC and I, like just on the phone, just like I, because I'm the thing is I'm gonna watch the Snyder cut. I don't feel good about it. Like it makes me actually feel no. raw in my soul, but I'm gonna do it. No, it's gonna be yeah. Terrible, no, but, I, um, I'm, I'm gonna for it. do it. We'll we'll definitely figure that one out. I don't know that we'll need to have a structure as much as like no. Here's 37 minutes of AC. Uh, drunk Jake, I'm assuming, and Jerome. Hey, you know what? I might have a drink too. Who knows? Uh, just like talking through uh, our thoughts, and at any given moment, we might decide. Like, we won't introduce the episode. We'll just yeah. like come in, recorded as <laughs> is. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's, yeah, the move. that's Are we? Are we in? Yeah. Yeah. I guess I'll do that. I'll do that. I'm just so fascinated by it as a document of just like yeah. what is what the whole thing like, is. What is he doing? Yeah. Yeah, like what, and also the fact, like the whole. It's a mini series. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Like if you if you're really interested in Marvel fans and listening to me say for seven minutes straight, are you guys happy with this? Was this worth the wait? Like just continuously over and over again. Like I think that might be worth yeah. it. 
tuning in. Oh, yeah. man. Oh, all right. And, and, on, and on that note, we'll close this out. Uh, Jake Christie, where can we follow you, my friend? You can follow me on Twitter at the Jake Christie. You can also listen to my other podcast, No Funk and Strictly Monkin, um, which I'll be actually recording an episode tonight. Um, it's about the show Monk. Uh, yeah, great. If you ever watched Monk, you should listen to the podcast. Um, I've been told that it's uh, a lot of fun to listen to, uh, some random person on Twitter said. <laughs> thank and, you random person yeah, check out Munkin uh, check out Jake and check out his exploits and Jake, Jake is an underrated tweeter on here you gotta right. you gotta, oh, gotta, gotta follow him there yeah uh, Jerome Chang where can we follow you sir uh, you can follow me at Black Dragon Roll uh, where exactly uh, where a, I may or may not strike again I, I really am never sure when I'm gonna do anything um, but uh, yeah like gonna have to look for that new thing to make silly edits about i mean i'm just watching right now uh golden state getting handed by the brooklyn nets at the oh, moment they get so handed? Oh, they're getting handed it's, it, we're, we're uh halfway through the second at the time of this recording and brooklyn's up 50 to 35 they scored 40 in the first quarter not Jesus. great bob not great bob <laughs> wow look at this ball movement though look at this <laughs> anyway um <laughs> playing the right well, way. Uh, the ball movement, the scene where Grogu shows Ahsoka the Force. Anyway, ba boom, boom, boom. Um, <laughs> mad kick out. That, uh, free- oh, sorry, I, I've, been, I've been freezing on and off. So let's wrap this up. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. And you can follow me on Twitter at Anthony K- Anthony on underscore three. Uh, subscribe to the Finding the Peace in the Storm podcast. Um, I had Howard Bryant, friend of the show. Uh, from ESPN on, we had a very, very interesting conversation about a lot of relevant factors happening in 2020. And uh, yeah, I, I would encourage people to listen to that one because I think it there's a lot of insight into race and uh, values, not only in the USA, but just uh, humanity as a whole. I think, it's a, it, I think it was a great conversation and I hope y'all get a chance to listen to it. And I hope y'all get a chance to subscribe and rate and review this podcast, uh, MC University Pod on Twitter. And for Jerome Chang, Jay Christie, I am Anthony Canton III. This has been Marvel Cinematic University, and we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>